Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There will be details from previous episodes, but we will not be discussing any spoilers for future episodes. I'm Harrison, and like that irritating watcher, I also do not want a sword thrown at me. And I'm Jason, and I am also level five. (laughs) I fucking love that line. (laughs) Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? We are watching Buffy Season 5, Episode 12, Checkpoint. This is the one where the Watcher's Council comes to town. Boo! um, And uh, interrogate everyone. And uh, Buffy says, fuck you. uh, Gets her way. And then gets a bit of a truth bomb dropped on her there in those final seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Checkpoint was written by Douglas Petrie and Jane Espenson and directed by Nick Mark and originally aired on January 23rd, 2001. It's my grandma's birthday. Oh. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, well, you were kind enough to uh, pour some lemonade that uh, John made, some special lemonade. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> special method, not like, <laughs> not like you know, it's got like fucking aphrodisiacs in it or whatever. <laughs> aphrodisiacs? Oh, yeah. Have you, so uh, when I went to New York one time, the only time I've been to New York, uh, I was like, uh, some of the people that I was with, we were just kind of like, strolling around uh new york like uh downtown new york city and um i believe it was in manhattan and uh ran across like this museum of sex yes yeah um and uh well we didn't go into the museum because we were actually going to go someplace else and we were just kind of killing time uh and we didn't feel like spending a bunch of like whatever the admission was to uh go into the museum you could go through the gift shop for free of course and they actually (laughs) had a bar in the basement where they were selling different drinks with different kinds of aphrodisiacs in them all right um so (laughs) that's what made me think of that is i was just surprised that you went for aphrodisiacs and not the hallucinogens or like (laughs) you just you you zigged where i thought you were gonna zag and that's fine Um, yeah i mean also, like, it was about sex, so I figured that you'd at least be intrigued. I am always intrigued about <laughs> sex. Uh, yeah, so it's some lemonade that John made. Um, and yeah, yours has got some, the last of the vodka that we had. Mm-hmm. And mine's got some gin, so I'm calling it a gininade. Yeah. Because um, I'm clever. Um, okay. A toast. A toast. Um, a toast to uh, Buffy Summers. Uh, who's just such a badass. Yeah, it's... A lot of her badassery is on display, you know, every time we watch it, but this is, like, a different kind of badassery. She doesn't get to do a lot. Buffy Summers. Mm, That's refreshing. It really is. Like, that is... That's a damn good lemonade. Mm -hmm. And Um, I should know, I drink a lot of lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) I just have this, like... I just have this mental image of you like opening like your lemonade app on your phone and being like, 
Sean Aurelius's lemonade. Yeah. Four point like, six out of five lemons. It's like untapped, but it's exclusively for lemonades. Um all right. Uh we start out this week at the Summer's house. Um we're we're having a full on Scooby meeting in the Summer's house. Mm-hmm. Um which I understand that Buffy feels the need to be close at home most of the time, but um, if she doesn't want Dawn listening in, I have a perfectly good magic box to be having these meetings in. That's true. <laughs> um, but um, basically the Watchers, after Giles' trip to see them, they have discovered something and they are coming to town. Um, and she's not happy <laughs> yeah um for good reason <laughs> yeah and it, and it is very interesting because uh the two people that have like questions about the watchers are anya and tara yeah who um well they were around obviously during their last visit um which is brought up by buffy and uh and discussed with willow um who by the way i i don't know if that's how willow's been doing her hair this whole season, but it just really struck me as being very good. Yeah, it's um, And uh, and you also mentioned enjoying Tara's hair as well. Uh, but um, good hair episode for all the women, I think. Yeah, like Buffy's was looking good. Uh, we couldn't see Joyce's, but she's rocking very cute scarves. Yeah. Anya's hair Anya's looked, hair uh, looked wonderful uh, in that first scene in the magic box. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and uh, anyway. <laughs> vanity aside um yeah like they because they weren't like as integral parts of the team when the watchers were last there with the whole uh faith body swap right. thing and they weren't around at all for the uh the cruciamentum in yes. season three so uh they think like oh well they're like supposed to be the good guys right and, <laughs> and buffy's like listen <laughs> i love which Tara's just like it's just like more Giles's right and Buffy goes yeah they're horrible (laughs) (laughs) um uh Anya has some I think fair concerns about uh them being uh not very pro ex-demon um and uh yeah everyone's just uh not uh, not very stoked for this for this visit. Um, yeah, because the Watchers Council sucks. Suck. <laughs> I will. I do have to say though, I have a soft spot in my heart for the for, one who's for, hot for Spike for Lydia. Yes, um, <laughs> I I found her adorable, and I'm just gonna say I, she's she's my gay agenda this week. She gives me big bisexual energy. Um, see that. Like, obviously she was like into Spike, but she's a little gay, at least. <laughs> um, um, also just given like sexy librarian like vibes. Yeah, but, but not like, like aggressively not, so. Like Madeline Post. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, you know when she takes her glasses off and lets her hair down, all the boys are like, all of a sudden you get Lydia. Like, all of a sudden you get it like. <laughs> get that baseline in there. Do you remember that um that SNL sketch with uh Margot Robbie as the librarian? 
but like as the sketch went on she like just reveals to be like this horrible grotesque like monster like <laughs> as she like um so i was thinking more of like uh not another teen movie where um uh like jamie presley's i think it's jamie presley's character um i think she's like the lead role in that uh like chris evans gets the bet that he can't like make her look attractive and uh and it's like oh her but come on she's got glasses and a ponytail <laughs> and then like her big transformation is taking off the glasses and letting her hair down <laughs> yeah oh nice I've not seen that movie, but um, it was. I think it, you would enjoy it. I probably would. I do. It is. It is a. It is a very good um, pastiche of all of those crazy, all those crazy like tropes from eighties, uh, like teen yeah. romps and everything. Despite not having seen it, it was integral in my queer awakening because of Chris Evans with the whipped cream. Yes. <laughs> and it's like and I think we all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I I'm honestly I'm honestly more familiar with that scene than I am with the uh, with the actual scene that's based off of because that's from Varsity Blues, I believe, and I've never seen Varsity Blues sure, cuz well, cuz cuz in that movie um, I believe it's Ollie Larder uh is trying to turn on the main guy with who I think is James Vanderbeek. Sure, <laughs> I know I've never seen this movie, so. <laughs> but yeah, she's got the whipped cream bikini, and so that's like what it's referencing. Gotcha. I didn't even realize it was like a specific reference. Oh no, almost everything in that movie is a specific reference, it's... like Breakfast Club, Never Been Kissed, Varsity Blues. It's all in there. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Watchers are coming. We're not happy about it. Yeah, wow, well, we really spiraled. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, do we go to like we got a starving glory, don't we? Yes, I was trying to. I was trying to put the scenes in order in my head. I yes, Glory's at her mansion. She's um, all sweaty and gross. Not yeah. not her uh, and still looking wonderful. Still looking wonderful, <laughs> but yeah, um, she might as well have a. Have a ponytail and glasses, <laughs> um, but she's kind of you know I I just look drooled. I, I can't like the way that Claire Kramer looks it, as Glory. I can't imagine her with a ponytail and glasses. <laughs> um, she's <laughs> um yeah she's writhing about in pain. Her minions show up uh, with a the poor mailman. He's just trying to deliver some mail. Yeah, uh, he's well, a... two episodes in a row where the mail is in danger. <laughs> um, and yeah, she she brain sucks him. Um, so, as strong as Glory seems, this appears to be like a possible weakness. Yeah, yeah, they've done a good job of. Um, um can I say what I'm thinking? I can't remember if we've... Okay, Jason, you're going to need to help me out here. And All if right. I... I'm going to say it, and you're going to be like, no, Harrison, you can't say that. Have we seen... Spoilers! As we've seen thus far, there doesn't seem to be a lot that can phase Glory. Especially if you're Buffy trying to beat her up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this could be a possible weakness. Yeah. Um... 
yeah, that's basically all that happens in that scene. Um, yeah, and she uh, she laments on like how there are too many demons, not enough retail outlets, <laughs> which isn't wrong. I mean, how many stores are there in Sunnydale, just really? The, just the magic box. Well, there's like that one that uh that uh Giles and Giles and Joyce robbed in band candy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, there's like a sporting goods store too. It's true. That, that, Faith uh, that, that Faith and Buffy robbed. So there's the only stores that exist in Sunnydale. <laughs> Our stores that get robbed. <laughs> um, uh, and but yeah, and she's like, uh, and she just she really needs the key. Um, one of her uh, minions tells her that uh, the oh, there's alignment, a timetable. Yeah, yeah, the alignment, I believe, is what he said. Yeah, that sounds right. That that's coming, and if she's gonna use the key, she needs to use it now. She's like, duh, I know that. Oh, I'll find that Mousy the Vampire Slayer and get her to help me find the key. Oh, I love her so much. Um, yeah, I I feel like it's been a, a hot minute since we've seen Glory. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously she's been referenced to uh, throughout throughout these last few episodes, but because you know she's the big bad. But I think um, I think it I, it's it's just nice to have that reaffirmation that uh, Claire Kramer is so good in this role. Um, she plays a very unlikely villain, mm-hmm. it is, but so good at chewing the scenery. Like we're, we're talking Richard Wilkins level of yeah. chewing the scenery, and uh, yeah, she's sti- like whatever scene she's in, she's like the focal point she's of it. Electric, yes. And this episode, really, obviously, with the reveal at the end, is a, a huge turning point for the character. Yeah. Um, and I did notice it, um, there's a bit of short foreshadowing for that reveal um, in this scene where she says that the people should be worshipping her. Um, so that I mean, was a nice little touch. Uh, obviously, like, given how the character acts, you think, like, gosh, she's got an ego. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> apparently she can back it up. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. The council arrives at the magic box. Quentin yeah. fucking Travers with his uh, fucking face. <laughs> stupid beard. His, I, 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 I do want to say, uh, um, oh gosh, Harris Eulen, who plays him, is great. No, He's yeah. so like, good. No, he gets, he gives the exact um, impression that you should get from Quentin Travers. He did this in season three of Buffy. Mm-hmm. And um, he's doing this now, and he's just, like, basically this man who has benefited from being in a position of power in a system that benefits men. Yeah. Um, it, it's the patriarchy, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and he walks around with this authority, um, like, oh, you can't question me, uh, little girl. I've been, like slayers die but the council survives yeah. and uh which makes the end so satisfying so satisfying um yeah you know who it's funny and it might just be because this is a show that john and i are currently watching um but he and the fact that this is also an old white man in a position of authority over a young woman he reminds me a lot of uh, headmaster charleston on gilmore girls um See, I never got, like, the, I guess I never got, like, the I hate you vibe from him. No. He, he, he kind of, like, 
He's more reasonable, I would say, than Quentin Travers. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like as opposed to a, because um, like Quentin Travers and the Watchers Council is like, I mean, he says it like, uh, you know, the Watchers protect the world and the Slayers are instruments. So their institution is yeah. built around subjugating women. Whereas, um, you know, granted, they only do it one at a time. That doesn't make it. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. Hey, that's what Charleston's all like. Chilton students die all the time, yeah. and Chilton lives on. No, but like, yeah, I think um, I, I've always seen Headmaster Charleston as just like a typical private school headmaster. Like, that's bad. Yeah, I think of like rich uppity uh, high schools, and yeah, that's like the ones we went to. No, like <laughs> no, ours, yeah, we, we like, great, we, nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, we may have gone to nice like Catholic high schools, but that's like comparing that's like comparing Duke to Yale. Yeah, the I, uh, the more accurate, uh, I think, uh, comparison would be like um, uh, collegiate. Um, uh, and there's there's that one. It's in Northern Kentucky, where all those kids were super racist. Can't remember what it's called. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we're just we're just two nice Catholic boys, uh, <laughs> lapsed Catholic boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they they kick out all of Giles's customers. They're uh, like some of the shit's kind of dangerous. Lydia's just like. This statue can melt eyeballs. And Giles is like... Well, and and its removal I... is a felony. <laughs> and Giles is like, well, in that case, I severely underpriced it. Uh, Giles' like, quips. No, Sassy Giles I think, comes um, out when the watchers are there. Well, I mean... The, the only person who's been through as much stuff as Buffy with the Watchers Council is Giles. Okay. And I mean... Un, and like, while Buffy doesn't have to like... I mean, except in this episode, while she doesn't have, like, when just for a little bit she does, like, kind of put her tail in between her legs and try to go along with what the Watchers say, Giles has to do that all the time. Yeah. Because he, when, um, when Buffy comes up against something that she doesn't know, um, and it's something that Giles can't help her with, he does have to go to the council, and I mean, like, going to your old bosses after they fired you and asking for help, I mean, that's... It's not great. It's not great. So, yeah. 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 I, Buffy, you're right. Buffy very rarely has to interface directly with them. Um, and every time she does, she almost gets killed. Yeah. Um, she's not a fan of almost dying. Yeah. She's like, I just can't handle that right uh-huh. now. Um, they, uh, basically, they're like... We're going to do, uh, we have information on Glory, but we are not handing it over until Buffy it has been tested and proves that she can, you know. Utilize this information properly. Yeah, which is all bullshit. Yeah, it's no, all. It, yeah, it, it's like, it, it's bad from the very beginning. And it's kind of like just pathetic when you actually find out why. Yeah. They they're doing it. Well, and that's the thing. It's I you know at the end of the day, it's why the scene at the end is so effective, in my opinion, is that yeah they have no choice. They have to share this information. And they're just trying to use it to gain the upper hand. And that is such a reflection of just kind of 
these um, old old establishments of power in general mm-hmm. because um, like you have these uh, like whether they be governments or businesses they're like taking advantage of their workforce their citizenry mm-hmm. but I mean as they say in uh, in V for Vendetta like people shouldn't be afraid of the government the government should be afraid of its people and uh, I think we're reaching a point in well, I hope that we're reaching a point in human history where these, um, like, systems that have been dominated by white, uh, predominantly white male, um, uh, throw in heterosexual in there as well, mm-hmm. heteronormative, like, uh, figures, and have been using that to tramp down, like, any minority that could come up against them. I mean, the, minor- the minorities are becoming the majorities like mm-hmm. everybody together and i really hope that we're reaching a point in human history where people are realizing the strength that they have because there are so many more of us than there are of them yeah Eat the Jason, rich. jason's anarchy here on this <laughs> podcast um speaking of terrible old white men let's talk about the other one in this episode, Bobby's fucking history teacher. Yeah, this... Uh, oh, God, this is bad. It's um, so... Like, oh, I hate... I, I mean, it's... I like the scene, and it's it serves a very important purpose in the episode. Um, You know, it's just... You know, this man is just another voice telling her she sucks. Yeah, and you, but, you brought up something really oh, I was Oh, so mad. I was... Well, because, like, yeah... Buffy is engaging with the material. I mean, it may be a different point of view. Um, was it she suggests that like he was a demon I mean, she, or something? She basically was saying that Rasputin was a vampire without coming yeah. out and saying it. But that's the thing. She's not challenging him. She's just asking questions. Yeah. Like, um, and the one little bit of grace I'll give this teacher is like um, suggesting that uh, I can't remember like what the initial thing was that Buffy said that uh, caused the teacher to like mm-hmm. look at her, um, and like if it's some outlandish statement, yeah, that can kind of derail a conversation. But she does like reference like facts, yeah, and um, and yeah, and like I've seen obviously I've been in several college classrooms. I've seen where uh, a lot of times, well, one, you've got your standard college classroom, which this guy's more than used to, of just like, oh, he lectures, students take notes. Nobody really interacts. Um, You do get, uh, unfortunately, there are sometimes when there are people who are just there to kind of disrupt everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're they're agents of chaos. (laughs) But I don't think that's what Buffy's trying to do. Buffy is trying to, like, engage. And um, this is a sad truth. Uh, because mo- a lot of college professors, especially ones that are teaching larger classes like that, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I wouldn't say this is an intro class, but I would say that this is like a, um, probably like a lower level class, uh, because typically the higher level classes you get, the smaller the classes right. get because, you know, people are specializing. But uh, a lot of professors in colleges are there to do research and uh that it's just part of their agreement with the university that they also have to teach classes Mm. and unfortunately i have seen professors that 
see that as just a burden. And so they're just like, all right, let's just get through this. And they, they don't really care about teaching. Uh, this is not all professors. But I'm saying not all professors. But I'm saying that that does happen. And it is unfortunate um, because, yeah, like there are there are like there are people that uh, there are scientists or um, historians or basically just like any academic that like I don't want to interact with people. I just want to do my work. But they like have to. This is part of their agreement with the university. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll pay you. Like because when I was a, when I was a graduate teaching assistant at UofL. Um, they paid me a stipend and they also paid for my, uh, tuition. But part of that was in addition to classes, I had to either teach lab sections or grade papers and tests for, uh, for larger classes for professors in that, in that class. And I mean, yeah, that honestly, there were times that I enjoyed doing that more than I enjoyed some of the classes that I took, uh, (laughs) But yeah, that's that's something that happens. It's not great, um, but yeah, it, it's unfortunately a fact mm. in academia. And it's a uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I feel like um, high sc- in your smaller classes, you do get um, more keyed in professors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I'd say you can get really good high school teachers. You can get really good. Uh, college professors later on in your academic career but a lot of times those general professors it's not great um they're kind of they kind of just see everybody as a huge mass and i mean these classes have like over 100 students Mm. in them so that's it's an understandable way to do it but yeah that's my that's my (laughs) rant i'm sorry i've already gone on like eat the rich rant and like eat uh, the professors (laughs) eat the professors (laughs) Um, yeah, Buffy's pretty pissed about this, so she, uh, takes it out on the vamp she's fighting that evening, and, um, they, uh... I do love how she's basically just saying what the professor said to her, and the... And the vampire's like, like, who are you talking to? What the fuck is going on? He's so perplexed. Um, Buffy's about to stake him when fucking Spike just... Comes out of nowhere and stakes the vampire. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and this is a great scene because it's, it is, one, it's it's funny. It's, um, you know, Spike tried, he's like, oh, I, I helped you. I'm just out of the goodness of my heart. But then he like segues into insulting her. Um, but it's also just, it's a more subtle than some of the other things we see. But it's just another moment of someone taking Buffy's power from her. Mm-hmm. Um and um and yeah all of these little moments where these or little or big moments where things happen are just so demoralizing for her so it's so awesome when she turns it around in the end um and it's like yeah do we necessarily need the scene with the professor we like maybe not we would have gotten it with the council and with glory and with the Knights of Byzantium, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, Here, here's... But having it in her academic life, too, it, I think really helps her showing that she's getting it from every angle. Or yeah. perceives that she's getting it well, from I every mean, angle. Well, I mean, like, you, you know, 
a lot of people, you know, you have your work life, you have your home life, you have school life. Like, you have these different um, sections where, like, oh, something may be going wrong at work, but, I mean, at least I've got stuff together at home and at school, or vice versa. But, like, when you start, like, having bad things happen in all of them, oh, that's the worst. It sucks. That, it's like, no, I need, like, some aspect of my life to be fully together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and here's Spike's problem. One <laughs> <laughs> of. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, at this point, we know that he's going to try to... He's trying to get to make a move on Buffy. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's doing these good things. Like, he's not eating disaster victims. (laughs) and uh, He's he's, not asking for money. He's not asking for money for killing a vampire. Um, He's trying to, like, basically get brownie points. The problem is that he's done so many awful things that... He thinks that one or two good things is like, oh yeah, Buffy's just going to drop her pants for me now. Right. Um, well, and, and he's such a little brat about it when he she is. does it. Yeah, like, yeah, like he's he's immediately perplexed and then just like goes on the defense of like, oh, well, you know, like you can't hold a man. <laughs> All your men run off and like, shut up, dude, like you're... Whatever little tiny progress you're making, it's like it's like one step forward, five jumps back. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, that's really really accurate. <laughs> um, Buffy arrives at the magic box and she like sees the council and just immediately tries to leave. Um, oh, bad day! <laughs> bad day. Um, Especially but... Quentin Travers, because you know. <laughs> I bet in Buffy's head, she's probably like, I might be able to get through with this if I don't see that old fuck. And then she's like, God oh, damn it, that man. Old fuck. Um, yeah, they... Oh, um, oh, I almost forgot, like, earlier when, like, they're, when the Watch Council's going through the magic box, it really reminds reminded me of um, if you have somebody come and audit you at work. Mm. Like, uh, like, oh, you know, everything's like... Uh, Everything's been running smoothly, but then, like, this person who you, like, talk to twice a year shows up, and they're like, oh, well, you're not following this, like, obscure rule, blah, 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 like, oh, shut up, and, I mean, where I work at now, like, we get, um, we get audited at least once a year, um, externally by, like, corporate, um, we have to do internal audits, and then we also have audits from other agencies as well, oh, so, and every time they come, like, my, every time it happens, my boss tells me, like, look, you guys are doing great. You don't have to worry about it. But I still worry about it because, God damn it, it's... Yeah. It, it's it, they, they put you they put what you're doing under a microscope, and it really sucks. And they're like, oh, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. I had it when I was still um, at my old job. Um, I, I had done a big, like, re... Um, I totally, like, revamped how our onboarding for new hires was done. And we've been doing it for a while, and the system, we've worked out some of the kinks, and, you know, it was running really smoothly and well. And um, uh, Aaron, who was my boss at the time, wanted to come and, like, sit in one day on on it just to, like, have a feel of how it was going and offer any, any insights that she thought. And, like, I knew it was good. She knew it was good. We have a very good relationship. But even in that situation, I was just like, 
what if I'm doing a terrible job? And like, what if she's like going to discover that? <laughs> it, it always, it always strikes me as interesting. Like, oh, here's some, here's some behind the scenes of like our personal lives. But it's always very interesting, like how you guys were in that dynamic for a while, and yet like more often than not, you successfully were able to put that aside when it was just like uh, all of us hanging out because we're like super close friends. Yeah, it was um. Yeah, that was always, like, not a difficult relationship to navigate because we were friends before we worked there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we worked, we both worked there for a while before she became my actual boss. Um, and you're both, like, incredibly professional. Yeah, so it was, like, it wasn't difficult to navigate, but it definitely was something that we, like, both were aware of. And, like, um, you know, and just, like, had to be sure that, you know, we were... Um, being professional and you know I think generally we were right uh, listen I have a sailor's mouth on here and I have a sailor's mouth at my at my work too yeah um, the, I will say though um, I was always like a little annoyed when um, we would go to uh, on a cabin trip or something and it would be all of us and then you guys would eventually like start talking about work like oh I wonder if like I did this like no it should be this like gosh shut up and like roast marshmallows or go swimming or something stop stop talking about work yeah um Quentin Travers he basically is like if you don't fucking cooperate we will shut the shop down and have Giles deported um and Buffy kind of tries to call his bluff but quentin says and then giles later confirms that it's not a fucking bluff they can do it and they will and also it. like buffy's not really in the place to call his bluff right yeah. now because i mean she's been kind of like you know on all sides yeah um i do i do i will say the as much as the watcher's council is referenced throughout the series I feel that their influence, like, political, societal influence, that doesn't really seem to be visited upon too much. It's more just like, oh, what their power is over local watchers and the Slayer. Um, yeah. Or whatever potentials might be out there. Yeah, I think this this is the episode where, yeah, they're kind of, like... Uh societal power is really brought up yeah I'm like not... yeah when giles says like oh yeah they could like they could deport me in a heartbeat yeah um i think he has a line where he says something like they'll kill you with the with the stroke of a pen mm-hmm. um which i thought was really I, I, just a really concise way of like just cutting through all that bureaucratic nonsense mm-hmm. um but yeah you're right it's um I'm thinking forward to another episode that deals with some council stuff. That's the thing. We just don't deal with the council. The presence is always on the edges and they occasionally come to the forefront like this. But honestly, especially after Buffy quit, the council is really sparsely used. And I think that actually works the show in the show's favor. I agree. Well, it's just like you, like we talked about when we talked about um, Lauren replacing the oracles as, um, as like their conduit to the powers that be over on Angel. It's like you've got to be careful about not giving your protagonists too much power, so then there aren't any stakes. There aren't any, you know, if they have this 
massive organization with unlimited resources, that's kind of boring. Yeah, that that's a it's a very interesting dynamic that like some series have to work with. Like uh, in Star Trek, mm-hmm. obviously Starfleet Command is um it, like has the rules and regulations that uh, these officers that we follow are so these officers that we watch are supposed to follow, and um, a lot of times moral decisions are like. Well, this is what we're supposed to do, but I mean, does that work in this instance? So, uh, I like how the Starfleet Starfleet Command can be both a can be both like a source of morality, but also a source of conflict. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's pretty cool. Like yeah. how they do that. <laughs> Spoilers: I love Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the uh... oh, and the yeah, and the Watchers say that like. It's a. It's not a test so much as a review, right. which is just another word for a test. Right. Um, and uh, bullish fucking shit. Yeah. The um, and in addition to Buffy, uh, Buffy's strategy, knowledge, and strength mm-hmm. being tested, they're also going to interview all the people that work with Buffy. How could this go wrong? <laughs> um, who do you want to start with? Is, oh, it's we have to. a montage. We but... have to start with um, with Willow and Tara. Okay. All right. So, um, random council person who I'm going to call Trevor. Uh, he probably has a name, but that might um, actually be his name. <laughs> um, hilarious. But no, um, he looks like a Trevor, and he's easily painted as the uh, the annoying yeah the annoying um, one i think it's it's nigel nigel yeah trevor nigel same ballpark yeah. <laughs> um he's interviewing willow and tara he wants to know um about the slayer and them and their relationship <laughs> willow responds we're friends tara says good friends <laughs> Girlfriends, even. Yes, we're girlfriends. We're lovers. We're lesbian, gay-type lovers. I love how they both... They both, like, at first are... I love the growing confidence in who they are. Yeah. Like, they're both like, oh, we're friends. Yeah, we're just friends. Like, you know, we're good friends. Like, I love that escalation. It's so funny. Yeah. And yet also, like, just another adorable Willow and Tara So scene. cute. And the Nigel's like, I meant your relationship to the Slayer. And they're like, oh, we're just good friends. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do mention that they are witches, that they practice magic. Yes. And um, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we could do, we can do a lot of stuff. Like, we're really good. And they're like, all right, well, I assume that you're registered under your names as witches, She's practicing like, witches. Uh... Like, what level are you? And Will just says, really high, like, really, really high. And Tara just goes, five! <laughs> And then, and then, which seems to satisfy him. And when then Willow looks at Tara, they, and Tara just like shrugs, like I, I, don't I know. think I think Nigel just like wrote down they're full of shit. <laughs> That's hilarious. I had thought of that, but I, <laughs> he's like, no whatever. Clue. I don't have time for this. Um, yeah, and they're 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 concerned too that their answers are, um, you know, they're trying to. This is something we also see with Anya and Xander try to do is they're trying to play up their importance and be like, yeah, we do contribute. We do matter while also not making it look like Buffy Buffy can't handle it. Um, Which is another thing that's just so frustrating about the council. It's just like, let her have a team. Like clearly they get shit done. Yeah. um, 
It's like what? I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like in defense of the council taking civilians they they obviously don't know like what the strength of these people are so taking civilians in like that is a dangerous thing i absolutely agree with you but this boils down to them not trusting her judgment right Um, and i and i would say that it's a disservice to refer to the scoobies as civilians they're not like they've been doing this for a long time yeah like well like 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 uh, Buffy says, like Xander's clocked in more field time than everybody, every every council right? member put together. And like, listen, we love to give Xander shit, and he does deserve it. But he has, no, no. and no, no, he's no, still when, alive. No, like, no, when they when they start like saying like, oh, so you don't have anything, like you can't, you don't contribute anything, and uh, I'm like. Hey, we can make fun of Xander. <laughs> yeah. You can't. Yeah, very much. Xander is uh, Xander is our toilet. Only we can crap in it. <laughs> you leave our precious Xander alone. Thank you. Shut up, Xander. <laughs> um. Well, with that, let's go over to Anya and Xander. Um. Anya has crafted herself a nice little backstory. She was raised, born and raised in uh South. So that- Eastern Indiana, which isn't uh, too far away from where we are now. Not not uh, not too far. Um, where she was raised by both a mother and a father. Um, she was much smaller. Yes, as she, a child. Yes, she was born on the Fourth of July, and she was always called our little patriot <laughs> when she was younger and therefore smaller. Oh, and uh, what's her whole name? Anya Christina Emanuela Jenkins. <laughs> I am delighted that we have finally gotten. To Anya Christina and Manuela Jenkins. Is this like her, the first time she has the Jenkins last name? Um, I think... Because I'm trying to remember, do they say her last name when she first shows up in The That's Wish? That's what I'm trying to remember too. And I, Or is it just like, oh, this is Anya? I think... I think maybe... I, I Emanuela... Or Christina Emanuela. That's definitely oh, yeah, new. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to say that at some point... And it would have been probably in in the Wish or Doppelgangland um, that she used the Jenkins last name. It would probably be the Wish. It'd probably be when Cordelia, like she introduces herself to Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe not. I'm not sure. I also know at some point there's some no- something non-canon that has her last name, um, like a book or something, that her her last name is Emerson. In okay, it. I think that's what it was, but um, but no, her surname is Jenkins. Uh, her middle names are Christina Emanuela, <laughs> um, and I I just I love it so much. Oh yes, and um, she she just um, and she made muffins. She made muffins. She it, I I was a little thrown by how she said she cooked muffins because <laughs> you normally don't say that you cook muffins. Yeah, you say you bake, you bake muffins. <laughs> Um, but it feels right for Anya. Yes. Um, but yeah, we just have kind of the same scene here where, um, on this, in this scene, it's very, uh, Xander's, where Willow and Tara were sliding more on the end of protecting Buffy versus justifying our uses. Xander's kind of falling on the other side of that spectrum, but they're still both, like, straddling that line. I, I love when, um... When he talks about like being part of the Buffy Megazord, <laughs> yeah, um, 
the watcher that's interviewing them has pretty much the same reaction that I have to that episode. <laughs> I love when um cuz if you if you all if listeners you remember I was not a fan of the of that part of that episode. Actually of most parts of that episode. I really like how he's like it's not as weird as it sounds and Anya's just like I'm told it was very professional. <laughs> it's really funny. Um like Aaron and Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> we, should get, we should get Aaron on for an episode. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. Um, all right. Well, now to Spike. Uh, Lydia is interviewing Spike. They've got one watcher with a crossbow, one watcher with a crucifix on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, it's just a cross. It's just a cross? Yes. Yes. Because uh, the crucifix those, has Jesus For on those it. of you who don't know, um, a cross is just like, you know, standard lowercase T-shaped piece of wood. A crucifix is one that depicts the crucified Jesus on it. Jeebus. <laughs> That's really weird. Um, and yeah, he's like, yeah, I help the Slayer out sometimes, you know, when she pays me. And Lydia's like, uh, she pays you? And he's like, yeah, or, you know, lets me uh, have a, you know, little nibble from, from the victims that aren't going to survive. And, and then he's like, oh, but, you know seems a bit scandalous uh i think she's slipping <laughs> yeah he's being a dick <laughs> such a dick uh and yeah this is when we learn that lydia um knows who spike is she in fact wrote her thesis on him and she's a little hot for spike so i immediately uh, not to make another star trek reference <laughs> but what i immediately thought of is um uh, the original series episode that had Khan in it mm-hmm. and Space how seed. yes um, I wasn't going to say the name of it oh. because you know some people are like fucking nerds <laughs> <laughs> but no uh, the, uh, god I can't remember the name of the of the character but um, the one who like falls hard for Khan mm. um, and she's like oh I, I made this I, I I draw paintings of I I I, uh, I make paintings of you know, powerful men in history, and uh, he sees that she's like making one of him. He's like, oh, "I am honored." <laughs> in, <laughs> that, dog. in that delightful voice from Ricardo Montalban. Oh, yes. um, but yeah, like uh, it. It's a strange chemistry. It's like, oh, this is like a person that you adore. That's almost mythical. Mm-hmm. Um, but and here they are standing in front of you, and you just want to rip their clothes off. It's how you feel every time you come over here. Yeah, I mean, I see John. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> um, but you married an attractive man. I did. I'm very lucky. Um, I mean, and he, and and he also has other wonderful aspects about him as well. Yeah, he's not just a pretty face. Yeah, he's. Never mind. Not <laughs> I, I was going to make a joke that I would have been fine with, but I know it would have made John uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's, the, that's the line I have to watch. Um, that, that, that's the line I won't cross. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck it. Um, You're a good husband. Um, I try to be. Um, Buffy goes to the magic box where they're going to test her, 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 her skills. They fucking blindfold her. And she has to protect a scarecrow dummy from one of these fucking nerds. <laughs> with an axe. While, with an axe. While Quentin yells instructions to her in Japanese. 
Fuck them so much. Like, actually, the test itself is not terrible I, as far as tests go. I believe, um... I believe they were, like, trying to go through her fighting styles, and uh, they just started with Aikido. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, it's... They don't even give her a chance to say, like, I've not done that. They, like... And, I mean, they were deliberately setting her up for failure. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. That's if, what they were doing. If I was... Yeah. And if I was a watcher, I feel like a fair test would have been, we're going to put, like... Because the watcher isn't always going to be in the field with you to give you the instructions. So I'd be like, all right, we're 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 putting you... I don't object to the blindfold. I don't either. Um, but, like, we're putting you up against this, like, do what you see as fit, and then we'll give you the criticisms. But yeah. now they're like, do this, do this, do exactly. this. Exactly. I agree with you totally. I And Travers is like, what are you teaching this girl? And Giles is like, I teach her to win. Like, that's how we train. And, yeah. But of course, you know, we're trying to make, uh, we're trying to <laughs> make unreasonable people reasonable. Yeah. And they're not. And they're doing it. I mean, yeah. They're just setting up. We would be a much better Watcher's Council we than these We would be a great Watcher's Council. Um, so, Especially Nigel. God uh, damn it. Lydia. <laughs> what a piece of shit. <laughs> Lydia, you can join us. You can be in our Watcher's Council. Like, Nigel's uh, just such a piece of shit, though. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Buffy kills the dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she, she's lucky she only killed the dummy because <laughs> she beats the crap out of the guy with the axe, and um, which I mean I think would have been effective. However, she then takes the axe and throws it away. Yeah, which I don't think she had the intent of hitting the innocent bystander. She's just like, I'm getting the weapon away from you. Unfortunately, she like gets yeah. that like nearly cleaves the <laughs> the I bystander. Do, I do like when that, that the guy fighting her is just like you nearly he broke my rib and <laughs> Quentin's like who fucking cares? Yeah, he's like <laughs> Quentin Travers like it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> um we get home but to Buffy's home in Probably my second favorite scene of the episode. So I think. we did skip over something. Yes, we did. You're right. Um, the yeah. hospital. Yeah, because uh, Ben, because we see Ben for the first time in a while, mm-hmm. and uh, and if you all forgot, Ben is that. Despite what glory, what glory, and um, her minions say, mildly attractive, <laughs> uh, intern at the hospital. Intern. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's, like, what, he's, he's hot now. Yeah, one oh. of the lackeys, uh, one of, uh, Glory's lackeys shows up and, uh, says, oh, I need, a. uh, Glory requires information about the Slayer, and, uh, Ben wasn't even aware that Buffy was the Slayer. Yeah. Um, like, and, uh, but then he also just doesn't care what Glory wants, so, again, we have this reference to there's something between Ben and Glory, and we just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um... But then uh, he's like, oh, well, I can give you a message for Glory. <laughs> Turns out he beats the shit out of this minion. <laughs> Glory, and then back at Glory's mansion, she's just like, oh, poor minion. Um, and uh, yeah, she's pretty pissed that Ben won't help her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, I do like her line where, yeah, the minion's like, he's very attractive. And Glory's just like, well, of course he is. <laughs> Uh, I don't associate with <laughs> ugly humans. <laughs> my minions can be ugly, but not my human. Lovers. I do love also when Ben refers to the minion as, Ew, don't touch me, you're crusty. <laughs> you're crusty. 
Oh, what a what a savage, savage insult. Speaking of savage insults, you may have seen this already because I posted it on Twitter. But um, I was uh, at my my uh, job uh, last week. We have some shows. We have a show going on right now and a bunch of field trips. Um, and I was getting a school checked in. Oh, it's the Bruno. Yeah. Right. And there's this, I was, I was talking to the teacher and getting them like getting the numbers from their group and getting them ready to go inside the theater. And this, there's like this boy who's like bothering this girl who's standing in front of her in line. And she just turned around after getting obviously fed up with it. And she just went, we don't talk about Mark. Cuss, cuss, cuss. Like, with the hands going. And I was just like, absolutely savage. That really is she savage. destroyed that kid. 20 years from now, he'll be getting married. And just suddenly he'll flash back to that. I, I, there's nothing more savage than tearing down somebody with a Disney song. Right? <laughs> oh my god. I was just like... I was like... <laughs> wow. Um, so, but anyway. yeah, that that um. So, uh, but uh, Glory does eventually find out the info about Buffy. Yes. Um, shows and, up at her home. Yeah. So that leads us up to this scene. So, this is, um, the first time in the series, um, since Angelus that. The big bad has been in Buffy's house. Yeah. Because um, Wilkins was never in her house. Wilkins and, never was. Um, the master wasn't. Uh, yeah. Adam wasn't. Um, even uh, Professor Walsh wasn't. Yeah. Um, and the... I'm actually trying to... I... Actually, I think the only time... And, well, and Spike's... Spike... Um... Spike's kind of big bad status was usurped by the time he was mm-hmm. able to get into Buffy's house. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, Angelus never went into Buffy's house. He got, they de-invited him they, almost they immediately. Him. Yeah. So, Glory is the first big bad, okay. active big bad, to be in Buffy's home. And that's very, very scary. Um, not that Buffy's home has never had monster attacks, but... <laughs> even awkward zombies. Uh, even, yeah. But this is like... Her being there is so chilling, and she's she's so calm about it too. Like Gloria's Buffy, not calm. Um, Dawn, super not calm. Uh, she's calm, but she's not chill. I, I, I also think that like Dawn just doesn't grasp the seriousness of this situation. At well, times she does, but then at other times it's like, um, Gloria will say something. And she's like, she's always keeping things from me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, put a pin in that because I want to come back to that. Okay. Because I am confused. Um. But yes, D- Glory is there, and uh, Buffy tries to get like the fire poker to fight her, and she's like, "No, no, no." She I, does this. Like, um, we haven't seen this on display before, but she displays like superhuman speed. Yeah. Um, because she's just like kind of right there, right there, and she's just like, you know, if I wanted to fight, you'd know by being dead already. <laughs> I just want to chat. Um, and she, like, just makes herself at home. She's like, oh, cute pictures. She sits, she has herself a little seat. And, uh, you know, she's like, I need to know where the key is. Tell me where the key is. And that's when Dawn walks in behind Glory. And Buffy and Dawn have the whole, you know, eye conversation of, like, 
Buffy, get the fuck out. And Dawn's like, okay. Um, the, um, I feel like the greatest variation of this is in the season four premiere of Doctor Who. <laughs> um, between the Doctor and Donna Noble. One of my favorite Doctor Who scenes of all time. <laughs> um, but yeah, Glory's just like, before Dawn can get out of the room, Glory's just like, kid, come can, here. Can I just say uh, yeah. one, one more thing about that? Like, um, I feel like anytime David Tennant and Catherine Tate are working together on something. I just need to see it. Yeah. Because they have... I'm trying to think of actors that have that level of chemistry in everything that they do together. Maybe Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Yeah, they have great chemistry. Um, but yeah, like, the just the, the chemistry... And, like, they do that without being romantic leads, though. Mm-hmm. Um David Tennant and uh, and Catherine Tate do almost a Tom Noble. Have uh, you ever seen um, their their production that they were in of um, Much Ado About Nothing? I remember hearing about mm-hmm. it, but I mean, it was just a stage show. It was right? stage, but it was filmed. Oh, okay. and it and is available to like purchase. Somewhere. I need to, I need to watch that. I, I really want. To. I, I I will say there we are not at a lack of good adaptations mm-hmm. of Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, cool. Because the other. The other one I was going to reference is Alexis Denisoff and Amy Acker yeah. in that adaptation. Mm-hmm. And and also Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh in the adaptation from the 90s. I love Much to Do About Nothing. Um, especially considering the, um, the uh, nothing at the time was slang for vagina, as in mm-hmm. no thing. So the title is literally I thought, like... I thought it was slang for like... Uh, Maidenhead or something like your virginity. I mean, also that. Let's just clump it all together. It really does tie into all of that. So literally, the title is just like much to do about. uh, Anyway, about about vaginas. God, story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah, this is when Dawn gets like bratty. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm perplexed, and I don't know if it's the writing, I don't know if it's Michelle Trachtenberg's performance, but yeah, when she comes in the room, she obviously grasps the seriousness of what's happening, but then when she just turns, like, turns on Buffy and this brattiness, I'm like, is she, is this a, is, is... I don't know, maybe Dawn, is this Dawn's, like, some sort of, is this a strategy she's using to get herself out of the room? I don't think or... so. I think, like, it's, I, yeah, I really don't think so, because, I mean, then she just kind of walks out of the room, and Glory's like, I like her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it just might be her being fed up with, like, uh, you know, I mean, at the beginning of the episode, um, she's like, we don't want Dawn listening in on this, yeah. and, um. But like Dawn thinks that it's something concerning her because of the end of the last right. Buffy episode. Yeah. So, I mean, Dawn knows that she's part of this. She doesn't know what part of it she is. And uh, she, I think she's just getting pissed with it. And even in the even in the midst of a terrible being wanting to threatening to kill you, she still get, get she still get pissed at Buffy. Um, yeah, it's weird. Um... I don't know. It just doesn't read right for me. But yeah, it's so funny where like, uh, just like Don, just go away. Like, God, I'm so tired of this. And then just walks out and Glory, like you expect Glory to be like, um, excuse me, don't just leave. But no, she's like, I like her. She's sassy. 
But then she, oh, Claire Kramer just does this so beautiful that, yeah, that I like her. She's sassy. And I'll kill her. Yeah. <laughs> it's so chilling the way she, like, turns that, that quickly. And then she's like, and I'll kill your mom, and I'll kill your friends, and I'll make you watch. Um, and th- uh, that's what's so great about the character of Glory. It's, it, it's this... You obviously have these presumptions about the way that, like, the character that Claire Kramer is pr- is playing, like, the type of character. Like, mm-hmm. oh, s- like, Sweet Valley High, um, like, Beauty Queen or whatever. But, I mean, it's malicious mm-hmm. as hell. It's like what all the unpopular kids were thinking about the, the yeah. prom queen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, she... Um, she tells Buffy, you know, this is a one-time offer. Next time we meet, if I don't have the key, someone you love dies horribly. She leaves, and then Joyce comes in wearing this blue top and matching scarf that is just so flattering. <laughs> just, like, color. The color was great. It looked great. Um, but she's like, uh, Buffy, who was that? <laughs> so I'm assuming that the headscarves are... That, um, like, Catherine, uh, Christine Sutherland, Mm -hmm. um, she did, I always want to say Catherine, I don't know why, (laughs) um, I think Catherine Sutherland, wasn't she, like, the, like, the pink ranger after Kimberly left in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Zeo, Catherine Sutherland, um, like, Catherine Sutherland is a person, um, but yeah, I think, um, Christine Sutherland didn't actually get her, like, I doubt she actually got her head shaved Mm -hmm. for, um, like, this whole arc of her having, like, brain surgery and everything. Um, So I think, like, the scarves are there just to make it seem like she's wearing a wig. Yeah. But it's just her real hair. Well, I don't think they shaved her entire head. I think in the scene where we see it shaved, it's just, like, a patch Mm -hmm. where they, right? Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. you are right. Catherine Sutherland was the, uh, she is known for her portrayal of Cat Hillard, the second Pink Power Ranger, and later the Pink AKA, Zeo Ranger. A.K.A. the Australian one. Yeah. And the first Pink Turbo Ranger. Yes. Um, oh, and she was in the film The Cell, um, which was a, it's a J-Lo, like, thriller from the early 2000s, um, but her speaking part was cut from the theatrical release. Oh, that sucks. The movie is wild. <laughs> um, so, um, Buffy tells Joyce to pack a bag, and she takes Buffy or she takes Joyce and Dawn. Where else? But to Spike's crypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and she convinces uh, she convinces Spike to look after them. He's the only one strong enough to uh, protect them. Um, And she has to go deal with this Watcher's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, He he protests at first, but then he's like, okay, fine. Um, And then when Puppy leaves, she's like, Joyce, first Joyce says, I love what you've neglected to do (laughs) at the place. Hilarious. Uh, but then they bond because Passions is on. And... Yes. And Dawn's like, oh my God. <laughs> Which is like, um, yeah, I 
I love that they have set that up because obviously we've set up before in last season that um, Spike is a fan of passions, like yeah. tries to never miss an episode. And the fact that like this is what he and Joyce bond over um, is so great. I, They've I come just, such a long way from like uh, get get away from my daughter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I just love whenever Spike and Joyce have a scene together. Yes, uh, it's just always a good time. Um, on Buffy's way to the magic box, she is attacked by some night ninjas. Yeah, guys wearing chainmail with, um, some of them have swords and some, some of them, them have, have like, sta- staffs. But, like, staves. metal staffs. Yeah. It's, um, this fight scene's okay. It's, it's okay. Um, she, she beats them. She learns that they are the Knights of Byzantium. Um, she versus, like, do you work for glory? And he's like, we do not align ourselves with the beast. Um, so she's like, oh, cool, we're on the same side. And he's like, no, we're gonna destroy the key. She's like, yeah, like, as, lo- as long as you're protecting the key, you uh, are our enemy, yeah. Trevor Lockley. But, <laughs> yeah, we'll bring, we'll bring a hundred. If we need to bring a thousand, we will. We are legion. Yeah. Okay. I love this season a lot. It's your favorite season. It's my favorite season. The Knights of Byzantium are stupid as hell. They're, they're, okay, I will, I will say, their placement in the story as a third force in this conflict over the key, um, who are opposed to glory, but their solution to the glory problem is destroy the key. That's fine. I actually think that's really an interesting dynamic to, to play with, and it makes those waters a little murkier. I just, I, I really dislike the literal like medieval knights yeah it just aesthetic. doesn't seem to fit it doesn't and i and i think maybe that's on purpose like i do think they are meant to stand out but it just doesn't work for me yeah it, their aesthetic just really takes me out whenever they appear and also we're like over halfway through the season it seems a little late to be introducing these players mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe uh, i'm not saying you had to do it like really early on in the season but i mean you could have done it before the mid-season break um because yeah like i honestly forgot about the knights (laughs) of byzantium until this um until like watching it this time and i was like it's like what the the fuck now (laughs) yeah It, it, it just seems like almost an unnecessary addition yeah um uh, again, like the the dynamic is interesting, but at this point, like you should have already had that set up. I agree. Yeah, I. Um... It's like introducing an antagonist in the middle of a season, and possibly trying to, and possibly or and sometimes successfully supplanting a good antagonist. <sighs> <laughs> um. Season four sucks! Yeah. <laughs> so she beats them, goes to the magic box. Travers is like, you're late. You're late. And she's like, she takes one of their swords. That is not important, important, but like. She does get to throw it at um, Nigel. She places it down at uh, um, the, uh, on, like in front of Travers and Buffy's like, yeah, I just got attacked. It's all cool. No worries. 
I will say and... Giles, um, also we did skip over, like, uh, we did skip over a scene between just Buffy and Giles after their initial talk with the, oh, yeah. with the Watchers Council, and I mean, it's, it, you, you talked about it a little bit, how, like, uh, Giles says, like, they do have the power to do what they're saying, um, but I, we had, like, two, one funny moment and one, like, a sweet moment, um, the funny moment is, uh, when Giles, like, going on and on about how much he hates the uh, the Watcher's Council is also while he's cleaning his glasses and he breaks his yeah. glasses, pops the lens out of one of yeah. them. I also do like when he's like, oh, I should sick you after them. And Buffy's like, man, that Quentin guy's like 60. I can't hit him. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> She's like, no, probably not, but I could. <laughs> but then, um, but yeah, but I think that, and it also kind of reveals why Buffy goes along with this mm-hmm. because she does say like, I can't let them take what I need. I can't let them take you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like, uh, I feel like we, we've been a little overdue for a good, um, a good Buffy Giles, uh, mm-hmm. moment. Cause it's mostly just been like, uh, Oh, he's the one that she goes to about Dawn. Yeah. So, uh, I'm actually just going to read this dialogue that we've got here. Cause the Buffy wiki helpfully has it. Um, I don't have the whole thing, but, Clinton's like, we're going to start the review. Buffy says, there isn't going to be a review. Uh, He's like, "Uh, sorry. She says, no review, no interrogation, no questions you know I can't answer, no hoops, no jumps, and no interruptions. See, I've had a lot of people talking at me the last few days, everyone just lining up to tell me how unimportant I am, and I finally figured out why. Power. I have it. They don't. This bothers them. Glory came to my home today. Giles uh, interrupts, but doesn't get a throw- sword thrown at him. <laughs> he says, Buffy, are you... And she says, just a talk. She told me that I'm a bug. I'm a flea. That she could squash me in a second. Only she didn't. She came into my home and we talked. We had what in her warped brain probably passes for a civilized conversation. Why? Because she needs something from me. Because I have power over her. You guys didn't come all the way from England to determine whether or not I was good enough to let uh, to let back in. You came to beg me to let you back in. To give your jobs, your lives, some semblance of meaning. Um, and I believe it's at that point Nigel interrupts and gets a th- sword thrown at him. Mm-hmm. Um, which Buffy's like, I believe I said no interruptions. I do love, um, I do love when uh, Lydia <laughs> says, like, um... So I don't know about Please don't throw a sword at me. But, <laughs> but, yeah, this is Buffy just laying down the law. Yeah, she's... Yeah, she tells him, you know, you are... You need me. Um, I'm the Slayer. Mm-hmm. Without me, you're watching Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> um, and she success. She's like, this is how it's going to be. Um, you're going to leave me alone. Um, and I will contact you if I need your help with something. Fully reinstate Giles. Yes, with back pay. Yes. Uh, um, Giles makes sure to like say that under a cough. Yeah. Like, retroactive, <laughs> retroactively paying him from the month that he was fired. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and that's when Lydia um, steps in and is like, um, well, what about, you know, them? They're just civilians. And she's like, um, actually, we are talking about two incredibly powerful witches um, a 1,200-year-old ex-demon. Which, <laughs> yeah, and then Anya says, Willow's a demon? 
the look that Allison Hannigan gives her of like, seriously, what the fuck? I thought we we worked this out last week. Um, This is is all about self-preservation at this point. Um, And then Nigel's like, and the boy, he has no special skills. That wasn't Nigel. Was it Nigel? That was the guy who interviewed Anya and Xander. Oh, okay. Um, Well, I don't know his name, so I'm going to call him Trevor. (laughs) But she's like, the boy has clocked more field time than all of you combined. And we get an unnecessary Riley shout out, but it's fine. Um, We also had an unnecessarily Buffy finds Riley's sweater earlier in the episode, but it's fine. Um, And yeah, she's like, these are my terms. And I'm pretty sure you're going to accept them. And Quentin says yes. To rapturous applause. Yeah, like the, they actually, like uh, the Scoobies actually are clapping. Yeah. Um, and like, the music gets kind of like, uh, like inspirational movie ending. Yeah, <laughs> and, they, and they realize they're like, oh, this is awkward. We yeah. This. Tara in particular gives like this, like, she like mouth sorry to, yeah. to Buffy. Um, so Buffy's like, you know, I... Tell me, tell me what I need to know. And he's like, well, there's a lot to go through. And she's like, just stop bullshitting me. Tell me what kind of demon glory is. And Trevor says, well, that's the thing. She isn't a demon. She's a god. Twitch Buffy's expression changes from like absolute confidence to those wide eyes that Sarah Michelle Gellar does so well. And just... Oh. <laughs> End of episode. Yes. Um, so this scene reminds me of um, Captain Marvel. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I can see what yeah, you mean. Um, there is like a... Uh, it's near the end of the movie. And um, uh, Brie Larson is just like, you know, made all the Kree... Uh, made all the Kree just like fly off into, uh, into space, like leave Earth alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course... Jude Law's still there, and he's just like, oh, you've come so far. Well, now it's time. Prove yourself to me without your powers. Basically, like, because he knows that he's going to get his ass kicked with issues or powers on him. Probably get his ass kicked if she doesn't, either. But, uh, no, she just uses her power, just, like, blasts him away. It says, like, I don't have to prove anything to you. And that is kind of, like, a big point of that movie. And also probably the reason why men shit on that movie so much. Yeah, um, but no, you're right, and it's I, yeah. When you said Captain Marvel, I was like, oh yeah, I, that that comparison I see is so apt because yeah, Buffy's just doing the same thing. She's like, fuck you, I don't have anything to prove to you. Mm-hmm. Um, how many po- apocalypses have you stopped, bitch? Um, and yeah, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's such a good. I that's one of those and- moments where like, as a like, I'm thinking of it from an actor's perspective. I'm just, like, picturing, like, opening that script and reading that scene for the first time and being like, oh, yes. Like, oh, this is this is the good stuff. I think, um... Uh, I want to make sure I phrase this properly. <laughs> uh, so, this is a delight to watch after having seen the entire series mm-hmm. because, um... Not to get into spoilers, but uh, based on where Buffy in 
what Buffy is doing in the next two seasons, the last two seasons of the show, this very much feels like, looking back now, feels like the turning point. Mm-hmm. She um, definitely levels up. Yeah, yeah. Like, she be she starts becoming um, more than just the Slayer. Like, now she's becoming a leader. Mm-hmm. Like, not just of this effort to take down Glory, not just of the Scoobies, but eventually something bigger. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's so good. It's such a great moment for Buffy. And, uh, you know, for list, any listeners who um, watched our the panel that Ben and I did, this was one of the episodes we discussed. Um, so sorry if I'm repeating myself on some of the stuff. But, like, yeah, it is... I, I In that panel, I actually do make some comparisons from this episode to, you know and the ripple effects that it has to literally the series finale of Buffy um, and and choices that she makes in that episode. Um, Spoiler alert, Buffy survives to the end of the series. Um, But yeah, it's just, I just, yeah, I love the speech. I love, and I love that it's not just like a level up for Buffy. She takes the rest of the gang with her. And she says, like, no, this is my crew. Like, you're, you're not taking them from me. Uh, we have a good thing going. And this is how it works. Old white man. Um, yeah. And then just... And then just the fucking... Uh, bomb dropped. The glory is a fucking god! Yeah. Like... I remember the first time I watched this being like, holy shit. Like, this episode I really do feel is like, a, it's a turning point for Buffy, the character, for the season and for the rest of the show. But also it's just like a turning point for the season, yeah. I think. Like, we are, Buffy, you know, Glory is a god, is like, narratively speaking, I would put it with, Angel locking Darla and Drusilla in the wine cellar. It's like the moment where we're going, and here it is. Like, yeah. we, here we go. There's no turning back now. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, this also probably, like, situates her as arguably one of the most powerful big bads. The only one I would even dare to say is, like at the level that glory is at is the season seven mm-hmm. um big bad and yeah. uh but that big bad is very is p- very powerful in an extremely different way. exactly yeah 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 but no like yeah the power level on um glory this drop this reveals like oh shit mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's what was missing like buffy said oh she <laughs> say, oh shit <laughs> um well screw that <laughs> oh god <laughs> Uh, so let's checkpoint. Let's checkpoint. Yeah, um, a much needed uh, let's get back on track with the glory story. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Not saying that um, what we've had hasn't been good. Uh, maybe Triangle could have been a little better. But um, it really does feel like the story got sidelined. Mm-hmm. Um, for Now, it got sidelined for a good reason. Uh, for To like kind of finish out this Joyce story. Yes. Um, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, 
time to get rid of Riley. Um, <laughs> and I'm okay with getting rid of Riley. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like this, this was much needed. And um, just like, just again, getting to see Claire Kramer in action again. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Um, that's not to say like the overall season has been bad. Uh, again, I'm emphasizing that. <laughs> this just felt like a nice little refresher. Yeah. And uh, I'll give it... Um, I'll give it four uh, lesbian lovers out of five. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It's definitely like a boost of adrenaline into the season, mm-hmm. I think. And yeah, um, I think it utilizes the entire ensemble really, really well in a way that the season has... Because so much of the first third of the season, um, so much real estate was taken up by Riley and Joyce. Um, the other characters, I wouldn't say they were sidelined, um, but they definitely have gotten less focus. Well, especially Willow. It's noticeable. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and that's why tri- that's why Triangle is a little jarring because, you know, Buffy wasn't the main character of that episode. Like, yeah, that was pretty much um, that was pretty much like all about Willow, Anya, and Xander, and um, then like Tara, obviously, like is there like by association with by association with Willow, but like that was kind of the really the first episode that really put a focus on them yeah no absolutely um yeah it's just it's so good even like a couple like the knights okay they're a misstep in i think in aesthetic not in purpose um which we, we we'll, just don't know too much about yeah and, yeah yet. and it's definitely difficult to say more about that at this time mm-hmm. um but yeah and it's like yeah, it's just everyone. This ep- all of the the pieces of this episode come together so well for me. To the point where we got to the end, I was like, it just the episode moves so smoothly that I was. It I, does. I was just like, wait, we can't be at the end yet. We're only like twenty minutes in. Like, I think it might be the fact that um, it's such a different final confrontation because we're used to episodes ending with like maybe a big fight mm-hmm. um and while there is the fight with the knights of byzantium there's no fight with glory um but there is like the confrontation but like her big confrontation is not physical yeah. it's emotional and vocal yeah um and uh so you're like oh yeah that's a way to that's a way to end an episode it's so good i'm also gonna give it four um four 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 swords thrown at nigel out of five <laughs> but they all miss they all miss unfortunately god um yeah that is checkpoint i it's a really good episode it's really good and i just i'm stoked about where we're going mm-hmm. on both shows like yeah just in some good stuff right now um hey any anything else before we head out of here not really all right um Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 2, Episode 12. Blood Money! Mm. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. Uh, that is spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 and on Twitter at just plain old yamij. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances, A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we are highlighting the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights, uh, also known as um, Chirla or Shirla, C H I R L A. Um, it was founded in 1986 to advance the human and civil rights of uh, immigrants and refugees. Uh, Cherla became a place for organizations and people who support human rights to work together for policies that advance justice and full inclusion for all immigrants. Visit www.chirla.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay.